Welcome to The Secret Life of Entrepreneurs, where we talk everything local. From finding out what makes a business owner tick to how to get your business found. Tune in as business owners share it all. The Secret Life of Entrepreneurs is a proud member of the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. I'm your host, Barb McGrath, local business owner, Google girl, and founder of the Get Found Digital Marketing Program. Today's guest exemplifies community action and volunteerism. She's the recipient of the YWCA Women of Distinction Community Champion Award for 2020. A lifelong resident in Momart, Janet Kodalak, and Janet, you'll have to correct me if I didn't quite get the name wrong. I did some practicing before we went live today. Janet joins us to talk about her commitment to education in our province and for students across our country. Janet, welcome. Thanks for having me. It's uh, good to be here today. It's a pleasure to have you here. So congratulations first on the award. Thank you. I was just going to say you you did pretty fine on my name. It's it's Kotlak, but Kotlak is uh, often how people say it. So we're okay, Kotlak. Yeah. Right. Cool. Okay. There we go. I will get it right at the end. Good. You know, uh, pronunciation is one of the things that I work on the most uh, before we go live with these sessions, because, you know, being in Saskatchewan, we have a real mix of names that come from all directions. For sure. So tell me about this award. Did you know that you had been nominated? And, you know, what was your reaction when you found out then that you won? The process is such that uh, you, you have to accept the nomination. So I knew I was being nominated. And uh, in fact, my nominator called me and asked if I would agree to be nominated. And, you know, my first initial reaction to that was, you know, there's so many people that have done so much in the pandemic. Like, are you sure? And she said, yeah, because we need to uh, highlight education. We need to shine a spotlight on the fact that we can do that through you. Mm -hmm. so, Excellent. Yeah, was, um, the first piece and and what was uh, my reaction? I mean, to be honest, I was really surprised. I, I had looked at what the other candidates uh, in my category had brought to the table. They were all fantastic leaders. And uh, trusteeship in my role is is a job you do really quietly behind the scenes. So mm -hmm. um, I wasn't sure that people would um, recognize like and understand the work. Um, right. But obviously, credit to my nominator for putting that through in a way that people understood and whoever the nominating team is, I, I need to give them more credit. Yes. <laughs> so. You know, one of the most interesting things I think with COVID is every sector has been impacted in some really different ways. But when you look at the education sector as a whole, uh, we kept kids in school for the most part, you know, there were some parents in favor of that and some parents not. And as a trustee, you couldn't win. You were going to have parents upset with you no matter which direction you went. How, as the, the chairperson of the board, how are you helping to manage that? Well, April was a tough month. Um, in the south part of the province, we had gone out and then had to go back. And and yes, you're right. Um, you know, you, you couldn't make everybody uh, happy. And maybe happy is not the right word, but... Um, you know, everybody was at their own 
place with COVID and, and yes. their own beliefs. And, and I really respected that, but we were tasked with making the decisions that we had to make. We um, followed the health uh, um, orders really closely. And we just really tried to say education is our business, but health is theirs. And we're going to look towards them as the experts. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, you know, serve provincially on the Saskatchewan School Boards Association. So um, along with that role and and the way they structured things, um, we were kept up to date weekly on calls. So, you know, those pieces where you've got continual information really mm-hmm. were helpful when you make big decisions. And, you know, in the end, uh, yeah, we, we did get feedback from parents on both ends of that spectrum, yes. but it was respectful and I respect that. So, mm-hmm. you know, and I, you know, I think that's an important role, being able to collect that respectful feedback. It doesn't matter what industry you're in. If you're getting screamed at, you kind of stop listening. And so parents being able to feel like they were being heard. One of the things, and I'll put my parent hat on for a second. We, we didn't know what went on behind the scenes. We didn't know if there was weekly meetings. We didn't know if it was just email communication and without any criticism of of my own school board, that was one piece that I would have really liked to have understood better is absolutely make a decision. I will support you 100%, but help me understand where the information comes from to make the decision. And knowing that there had been weekly meetings, I think that would have really helped a lot of parents out, whichever side you're on. Uh, If you want your kids in school and they're being pulled out or vice versa, right? Just that little bit of bit of extra information. So as a board, and then even at the provincial level, how were you managing the volumes of information that that came at you probably for, from some different directions to be able to weigh it all and then make a decision that you felt good about? How did you weigh all of that? Well, you know, there was key decision points along the way. And of course, if you take it back to the beginning of it all, um, the first decision to go out of school was was made by the premier um, back in uh, March of 2020. Yes. And so that one was, it was handed to us. So we mm-hmm. went, how can we provide this extra learning to those who still want to be engaged? Yeah. And that was tough. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we weren't set up, especially in rural Saskatchewan. So yes. um, kudos to our IT department. We did a ton of lobbying around rural internet that helped with getting SaskTel to provide uh, free data, things like that. So, you know, it was a joint effort. Um, mm-hmm. The volume of information, it kind of came at it as a piece at a time. So then the next step was the back to school plan and okay. making sure that we could um, influence that and and uh, bring some public voice to that. Um, that mm-hmm. was important. You know, as a trustee, I work to bring that community voice to all those decisions. We have the education experts who I thoroughly uh, appreciate and respect and we worked closely with our director of education, Luke Larmanu, and and his team of education staff. Well, um, and every step along the way, it was like that. So we had a back to school plan, and then things changed. All of a sudden, we're deciding on masking, and then masking became mandatory. And so you just kept rolling. And yeah, um, certainly a lot of time spent um, by myself and the whole team of education people, really. Absolutely. So Janet, you strike me as a volunteer who is full of a lot of energy and passion for where you put your volunteer time. Why education? Why not the community of Momart? Why not the rink, the hockey? How did how did you end up in education and now spending so much time there? 
Oh, that's a good question. So back, it was the year actually before my first started school back in about 97 um, that I got approached um, to sit on the local board. And I said, I don't even have kids in school yet. Like, and there I had got one call, two calls that the board was having a big changeover. They just really needed people. And the (laughs) last call was, was my husband's aunt and I couldn't say no. So uh, she just is the person you say no to. So I I got on there and it just um, exploded from there. Um, I, I actively farm with my husband. That's our livelihood. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also wanted to do some other things in my life and uh, I, I needed people. Yes. And so I started, I spent eight years locally and so spent a lot of time working on my local school and what I could do to help there. And then mm-hmm. um, during the time of amalgamation in 2005, there right. was an opportunity to run for that position. And then um, it just became a passion. Once you're in it, you you either love it or you don't stay with it. So Exactly. Yeah. And is the position both with Prairie Valley and with the Saskatchewan school boards, are those both elected positions or just the one? Yeah. So everything I do is elected. So I started out elected from my subdivision. So that's mm-hmm. subdivision seven and there's uh, 10 communities and five schools. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my home. And that's why I do this is I do yes. it to bring their voice. And then mm-hmm. from there, I've been privileged uh, to be elected by the board that I serve on Prairie Valley to the chairperson yep. of that board. Mm-hmm. And so that's nine, I think nine consecutive. And I served as chair and vice chair previously. Um, and then from there, um, I ended up uh, kind of getting lobbied and asked to serve provincially. Mm-hmm. And so I'm in my ninth year serving the Saskatchewan School Boards Association and I represent um six boards on that, uh, the provincial body. And mm-hmm. uh, I think I counted um, in total, I would have put my name on a ballot for, well, let my name stand for 21 elections. Sometimes you were acclaimed, sometimes you were elected. So, okay. Uh, yeah. So take me back to that first election, because I actually think that that's a, a, a real strength for anyone who's willing to put their name on a ballot, that in itself takes courage. Uh, It's a little bit like that popularity contest back in high school. So take me back there. Like, what did it feel like the first time you were like, okay, sure, I'll put my name on a ballot? Well, okay, so true true confession here. I I ran in 2003 in the first rural amalgamations and I didn't win that election. There we go. Then I was kind of done. I did the thing. I did brochures and whatever. And then in 2005, the province decided to further amalgamate. And then Mm -hmm. um, I thought uh, we were in a totally different grouping of communities and sometimes small town communities. It's not who you are, but where you're from. Yes, exactly. A little bit like that. And then Mm -hmm. uh, the next grouping of communities, I thought, ah, okay, I'll take a stab at it again. I really wanted to, I just had a passion to bring some boys. So in 2005, I ran and I won that election. And, you know, and I said this um, before, um, being a female uh, leader is difficult. And and there is a stat that says you have to be asked like four to seven times to run for anything. Ah, and okay. That's certainly, you know, every time I decide to put my name forward in any of my capacities, I always have that hesitation. Can I, should I? Um, am I the person that can get the job done? And, mm-hmm. um, so you, you hesitate and that's, if I could say something to 
all the female leaders out there, you should try and you should do it. And you are worthy of the position. Uh, you just got to convince yourself. So, you know, I think sometimes we're our own biggest obstacle, convincing ourselves that, yeah, I could do a really good job at something because there's always plenty of people out there who will tell you, oh, you don't want to, oh, it's hard, oh, it's time consuming. There's plenty of reasons not to, but that drive has to come from inside. And it's quite clear that, you know, it really comes from inside for you. If well, you're... Thing, if go I ahead. say one more thing is um, I have, I, I like to do stuff for people and that's what, you know, in this capacity you're doing, Right. But when you have to go out and say to somebody, can you vote for me? Can you sign my nomination? Mm -hmm. That's the hard part because you're actually asking somebody else to do something for you. Yes. Even though it's really for the greater good. Yeah. That's the hard part. It's like, can you support me? And I, oh, it's so hard. So, <laughs> so how many of those signatures did you have to get in those early days when you were? Um, it's changed now. I think it's 10 on your, to be elected to the school board. And okay. um, it's, for the provincial body, I think so. Okay. And so is that where you sort of tap into family and friends and, you know, hey, you know, can you give me a hand getting this ball rolling before we get into full election and the posters and the lawn signs and... Well, um, in my subdivision, which of course is what puts me in any position, mm -hmm. I right from the get-go said, if I'm going to represent all these communities, I need names from every community. So ah. like my subdivision spans from McLean down to Sedley over to Momart, okay. um, Bybank's in there, Capel's in there. So mm -hmm. I made a point to get a signature from every, somebody from every one of those communities. Um, mm -hmm. di more difficult at the start because I didn't know many people, but now exactly. I tend to lean on my school community council members and mm -hmm. you know the chairs often and if i feel like if they will give me their signature then i must then i'm i'm good to run if they're hesitant exactly. or you know then mm -hmm. maybe i'm not really the person anymore so yeah what will happen after covid are we going to see some fairly significant uh board turnover across the province just because so many board members will have been burnt out what do you think will happen well you know Unfortunately, we were at the very beginning of our term. We had elections in October. So we right. are just in our first year of four years. Okay. Um, so maybe the benefit is we will, uh, you know, we'll get past this. And then, um, I mean, the other thing, I, I really feel bad for the new board members because they really haven't experienced trusteeship at all. Yes. We opted to, to stick it out working from home. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of conversation about if all the educational leaders um, end up out because of covid right you know that's not a good place to be so we often mm -hmm. work from home they haven't experienced life as a trustee as we know it and right uh and it was difficult so uh i i hope that the next three years after this one's done we will um we'll get back into the regular and get back into that what can we change in the system um mm -hmm. So. get back to the job of improving education versus really just trying to maintain some sort of education level. One of the things that, again, as a parent, but I would expect as a trustee as well, we're always thinking about the, the quality of the education and future, right? And so, okay, what happens if they miss three months in one year? What happens if they miss three months, two years in a row, right? And we start to do that math in our head. As a parent, we had one child who continued to stay in person in the classroom whenever that was allowed. And we had one child who went online. And so, of course, 
the child who was online, well, she felt ripped off because she never, you know, got this time off as she perceived it to be, where the one who was in the classroom and then had to come online, he was able to do his online work in like two hours in the day because there was no recess, no phys ed, none of the hallway passing, like he was done in record time. So I watched my two kids and, and the interaction and my daughter, because she was so in routine with online school, like she did school from nine till four every day. And that was just her routine. But she watched her brother and she's like, somehow this did not work out for me. <laughs> right Now I do have to credit the online school that we chose, the I'll say the quality of the work, the the uh, the depth of learning that was presented. I was very impressed with it. Online school did not end up to go nearly as well as we would have liked, but but the subject matter was really there. Of course, the social side falls down in a situation like that. Absolutely. So how do you perceive that these next few years will look with all of our brand new trustees or many that are brand new to the positions? What is going to start to change? Is there still funding questions? Like what's that top agenda items? Well, there's a few things that come to mind. So first, we got to get our kids back to school. And, and we really believe that we believe in the system. We believe that a teacher in front of students is is a really good place for kids to be and i you know i do respect there's some kids um because of their own challenges they need to have access to a different type of learning so yes. that aside um most kids um really need that uh, uh interaction mm -hmm. on a day-to-day -day basis so yes we've got to get them back in the buildings we've lost some kids we've lost okay. um, some vulnerable kids mm -hmm. that we need to get back so we're talking about you know, how do we attract kids back? And we need to start with first things first. We've listened to a lot of Kevin Cameron sessions mm -hmm. and he talks about relationships and we need to make school fun yeah. and, and make sure it's really attractive. So that's first thing first. And mm -hmm. we're, you know, that we're going to move through the pandemic, um, but it's going to be a word in education for a very long time, unfortunately, because yes. you're right. You know, kids have missed some significant blocks of learning. Mm -hmm. um, what we want people to understand is, we got this and we're going to take it slow. Uh, we don't expect a kid that's going into grade three to be in the first month of grade three, you know, every child. It, we know right. that that's not possible, but we're going to mm -hmm. trust the educators yes. um, to, to get them there. And we're going to take it just a step at a time. That's all we can do. Um, so, Jenna, just let me interrupt, though, for a second. So when you say you've lost some kids, do you mean just from COVID or... Or are you expecting that some kids will stay online even though the seemingly most serious part of the crisis with COVID has passed? Well, I can't, it's hard to predict the future. Potentially might, some might stick with an online option. I think okay. our biggest worry is the, the vulnerable kids that just okay. they didn't engage. And mm -hmm. you know, we percentage of our school population that we have to continually work on to engage. And we were doing really good with attendance and, and all our systems to get them in school. And so mm -hmm. uh, now we have to get them back and yes. we need to get kids graduating. So, and then mm -hmm. like the second part of that question is uh, we have a, what's called a provincial education plan. Okay. Um, I, I co-chaired the committee that um, uh, went out and sought feedback from across the province on, on what a new plan would look like. Then mm -hmm. the pandemic hit. And so now we have an interim provincial education plan because that plan was supposed to roll out. We had to pause it. And now we had to look at, okay, where are we at? So now we're going to look at 
a few things that we need to accomplish in this next year. And then we're going to get to our main plan and get on with the future. Um, Got it. Best as we can. Okay. Yes. That makes much more sense to me than absolutely. So uh, how many years do you think you will continue to volunteer the way you do? Uh, wait a second. I want to wait back up for a second. How many hours either on a weekly basis or on a monthly basis do you volunteer right now? You know, I, I've often thought I should write it down <laughs> at the day or at the end of a week. Um, it, it's a lot. Um, it, you know, the meeting part is one part. Mm -hmm. um, and then it's all the phone calls and all the emails and all that. Um, yes. I probably work two thirds time, maybe, um, you okay. know, and there's times when it's maybe half time, but, uh, mm -hmm. the thing that a, a really big mentor of mine always said, you can't count it in time because it's always on your mind. So when you're going through really big yeah. things, it doesn't leave you. So you don't just put it away and then go do your regular life and your regular business. Mm -hmm. You're just so, um, it's just there. It's not like a job where you go and then you come home and then you have your free time. So exactly. Yeah. Um, how, I mean, I don't have any plans for an exit plan. I mean, mm -hmm. we always contemplate it at the end of a four year term because you have to decide, are you going to get those nominations again? And, uh, mm -hmm. uh, this is a bad time to ask because we're just in a pandemic. And it's exactly. like, we didn't even, we didn't, you know, typically we take February break. We tell all our staff, go have a holiday. We have a holiday. We take Easter break. Uh, this year we took no breaks. We took uh, Christmas. I didn't have any meetings for a couple weeks. And then the rest of the time, all of a sudden we were like booking okay. meetings, no matter when it was. And I was like, you guys, we haven't taken any, any time to just decompress. So I'm exactly. looking forward to that. Mm -hmm. uh, July, um, we, we paused, like we said, okay, no meetings in July. Our yeah. senior leaders need a break. Our school staff will be on a break mm -hmm. and we're going to take July. So, okay. and then we'll ramp up back in August. And I mean, there'll still be stuff. I know there will be, but mm -hmm. be scheduled meetings. Right. Exactly. And sometimes that's part of it. And, you know, interestingly, of course, um, our restrictions are changing over the summer. And so you almost need to take July off either way, just to see how it's all going to sort out. You're not going to be able to make any decisions until, you know, what happens with the restrictions? Do they stay in place? Does anything happen with this new Delta variant? Like there's, there's a number of questions that are out there that it might be the week before school again, before you can get back to anything on those decisions anyway. Well, and the good thing this year is we're sticking with the levels. So you would have seen like level one means this level two means this. So we don't yes. have to break that from scratch. Mm -hmm. Now we know like, well, and you're exactly right. We're going to wait till August. We're yeah. crossing our fingers. We're optimistic. Yes. And find if we're not, we'll pick a level that we have to be at. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Janet, we only have a couple of minutes left. Um, can you can you talk to our audience? And if someone else is either interested in being a trustee or really has a passion for education or anything else that benefits the community. Where do they start? What, like, what is that first step when you've got that burning desire? Well, this is how I started. I started locally. And so I always tell parents, every parent should serve one uh, term or one year on a school community council. Start yeah. there. You'll learn a lot. You'll benefit your own kids. Um, you'll get a bit of a taste and a passion. Yeah. And uh, then from there, you you just need to have that in you that you you want to serve. And 
Like I love bringing the voice of the communities that I serve into the education sector. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, we have a thing we call a public voice and publicly funded education. And that's my role. Um, I really thoroughly believe that education belongs to community. So if you have that in you, if you really believe that parents should have a role, we almost lost parent voice in, in education and, and we had to work to get that, uh, to sustain that. Uh, mm -hmm. And governments across the country are starting to, to look at, do we really need elected trustees? And I'll oh. that drum forever because wow. um, without someone to be your, your voice and it, you know, you, you get to pick your person as a parent. You can decide if you, if you like the job, you want to bell it or find somebody else. That's the, you know, the funding principle of democracy. Yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, just, just be that voice. If you can do that for your communities, it's, I mean, uh, I spent a lot of time, I volunteered a lot of time, but what I got back and the growth in me and as a person, you, you can't, I could have never got that in my regular everyday life. Exactly. Wow. I had no idea that was happening at the national level. So that will be a kind of an, a hot issue to, you know, just kind of keep track of. Wow. It's been happening for years. Some provinces lost uh, the right to elected school boards and Manitoba right oh. now is in the, in the midst of it. So if you look that up, you'll see that uh, they're in a big battle They're You know, mm -hmm. they might not have trustees uh, towards the end of this year if they go win the fight. So. Hmm. Uh, one last question, Janet. So just really quickly before we wrap up, if someone would like to reach out with you or reach out to you, is that okay? And how would they contact you? Yeah, anytime. I, you can tell I just love to talk about education. So um, you can reach out to me at my email at janet.coatlack, um, just as my name spelled on the screen, at pvsd, um, so that's Prairie Valley School Division, at pvsd.ca. And, uh, or you can, uh, you can call me at home at, uh, 424-2210. There we go. Did I get it right on the screen? Yes, you did. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> Cause this is the wrong time to get it wrong. <laughs> yeah. no, that's perfect. All right. Good. All right. I will wrap us, wrap us up then. So thank you, Janet, for being here with me today and congratulations again on your award. I find uh, the opportunity each year to talk to the award recipients, just one of my favorite parts of doing this podcast. So thank you to you and congratulations. Well, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, you can email me at barb at googlegirl.ca or reach out on Facebook and Instagram at abovethefoldca. Just a reminder, you can even submit questions in advance of our live show on the Facebook page. So I'm your host, Barb McGrath, local business owner and Google Girl. Remember, you worked hard for your success. Don't keep it a secret. Bye for now. And a quick message from our sponsor. If you come across a work zone on the highway, there could be construction or maintenance activities in progress. Make sure you drive carefully and watch for workers or equipment on the road. Even if workers aren't present, you should always slow to 60 in a work zone. That's because hazards could still exist, like rough road, a sharp drop off the pavement, or loose stones. See the signs, know the facts. Slow to 60 in work zones. It's the safe thing to do. This message sponsored by the government of Saskatchewan. Always plan ahead. Get a line locate for any digging projects this summer. Planning to build a deck? Get a line locate. Visit clickbeforeyoudig.com.
www.lionlocate.com to request your free line locate today. Hitting an underground utility can be a costly and dangerous experience.